fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere, and so we are thrilled to start off with season one, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lodge or constitutions thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non masons alike hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the ashlers i am shishir i am rinesh and welcome folks to this another special episode where we are rounding up the northeastern part of the country we are going to be covering quite a few states there's going to be a really interesting fact uh, towards the end so stay tuned for that um belated christmas to everyone and advance happy new year special time special episode all right so with that let's get started so what are the states we are covering we are going to be covering eight states um usually they say seven sisters but there's an eighth one that's got added recently uh, probably initial delve into that but uh, just to call out the states we have arunachal pradesh assam manipur meghalaya mizoram nagaland tripura and sikkim arunesh details are with you yeah so starting with arunachal pradesh uh obviously we were trying to search for what how exactly freemasonry came to this place and whether freemason or masonic lodges are there we did not find much information much material but we thought might as well give you guys a brief background about all these states so that it kind of explains you what all these things are all about so starting with arunachal pradesh arunachal pradesh the name itself means land of dawn lit mountains the state is actually known as the orchid state of india or the paradise of the bot- botanists actually the sixth dalai lama sangyang gyatso was born in tawang and the tawang monastery which is 400 years old now actually is the largest monastery in india and the second largest in the world after the potala palace in tibet assam assam was actually called by different names during the first and second century starting from sisatia to kirhadia after the kirata population but during the 12th century it was called kamarpura or kamrup kamrup sorry the precise etymology of assam is actually not clear the name assam is somewhat associated with the ahom people or of the ahom dynasty they were originally called as sham and mughals used to call them asham and maybe that's how the name assam came into place assam is obviously known for its tea silk and yes the kaziranga national park then we go to manipur manipur is actually made out of two sanskrit words mani which actually means a jewel and pur which means a land it is actually credited to introduce polo to europeans if you don't know what polo is please do google 
you will enjoy that's an amazing game to play the word meghalaya comes from the sanskrit word megha cloud and alya which is abode then abode of clouds with an average annual rainfall as high as 12000 mm in some areas meghalaya is actually the wettest place on earth cherapunji and mounsiram are two of those places one is known for having a lot of rain in one given any time of a month and mounsiram is known for having the largest like a lot of rainfall for the entire year well i covered four states over to you shishir for the rest of the four yep so i'm going to be talking about mizoram nagaland sikkim and tripura so starting with mizoram it's actually a combination of two words from you know the mizo language mizo is a name which is used to call the native inhabitants and ram means land so mizoram nagaland basically means the land of the naga people it's a bit of a controversial thing here <laughs> of how the name actually originated uh, is supposedly a burmese word meaning naga or naga meaning people with earrings the capital of nagaland which is kohima is famous in the history books of india because it fought um, you know it, it, it was a f- important battleground during world war 2 when the japanese were trying to invade india from that direction and the british indian troops were able to um, you know defeat them over there so really important point that is our history would have been slightly different uh, coming to sikkim now this again is a combination of two different words uh, in limbu language the word su means new and kim means palace or house uh, in tibet the name for sikkim is drejong which means valley of rice the lepta people the original inhabitants of sikkim called it nimel meaning paradise in uh, you know historical indian literature sikkim is known as indrakil meaning the garden of the king of gods that is lord indra uh, in the himalayas you know this is where this particular state is uh, situated and obviously having a very mountainous terrain the summit of kanchenjunga which is the third highest peak in the world is found in this state finally tripura its sanskrit name is linked to the hindu goddess of beauty tripura sundari there is also another angle to it there was a king and a very tyrant one it seems named tripur who reigned in that region so that's a bit of a you know general knowledge about all the eight states in the northeastern part of our great country yeah one thing is there shishir each of these states are so unique and people who have actually visited them unfortunately i was not lucky yet to visit these states but these states are simply beautiful and i know you told about the 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 name or sorry the meaning of the word sikkim as per the lepcha people which calls paradise i would say these entire seven sisters like the uh, the the seven sisters and obviously sikkim included are literally a paradise if you just visit them you will just fall in love with the nature with the people with the food with the culture with the with the animals and obviously the flowers as well it's it it's simply breathtaking if you actually get the time to visit and listeners if you are thinking about a place which you would like to visit somewhere maybe in the next year when it is actually possible with all uh, due diligence and with all due uh, precautions taken 
please do take time to visit the northeast of india i will add to that by saying i have a couple of friends from uh, the northeast mm-hmm. and you know they tell me stories about that place and how mm-hmm. you know rich in flora and fauna the entire region is so you know it's a different world by itself um and if you are a nature lover then i think you don't need to look too far i mean <laughs> india obviously has many places you can go and enjoy flora and fauna but the northeast is a huge region you know yes. almost every state is similar yeah so i know <laughs> when it comes to flora and fauna so you have to go to northeast to actually experience a different part of our country that <laughs> that's what i have understood and i would definitely love to be there one day all right so coming back to the freemasonic angle to this entire thing uh there isn't much uh from a freemasonry standpoint based on what you know we were able to find um in shillong uh that is in assam uh, in shillong there is a lodge called shillong number no. 61 which mm. was consecrated as part of ugle in 1901 the old lodge in guwahati there's a lodge called kamrup number no. 302 and in silchar mm. there's a lodge called light on the barak number 354 there are those a few lodges that do not exist in assam anymore one is mm-hmm. light on the surma lodge number 2726 which was in silchar it was part of ugle consecrated in 1898 and was erased off in 1947 due to uh, you know decreasing membership the other one is dhaka lodge number 3323 This was in Shillong, under UGLE, consecrated in 1908, but they lost their warrant and you know they were not able to meet for more than a year. Uh, this was erased in 1977. It used to be called Peace and Progress Lodge. There is one part of it, Rinesh, which I'm not able to get off my mind. When I think of Assam, I obviously think about tea, and I think there's something interesting you have to say on that. Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, when obviously British were expanding in our country, they came across tea in Assam, and which is something which made them just stay around. It is actually tea leaves that brought British to Assam, and along with it, obviously, as we have mentioned in a previous episode, Freemasonry came along. Assam during the British India was obviously a little larger in size compared with the current state of Assam, and and you can imagine that these places obviously had all that whole connection, and it had a perfect climate, perfect soil from them to grow tea. Now, obviously, based on these attributes, British stayed back. They wanted obviously tea plantations done. These things were becoming huge, and obviously everybody were enjoying the 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 money which it was coming with. And uh, the British obviously were staying back, considering the best climate which is in this area. And similarly, Freemasonry also came along, and that is one of the reason why I realize, or at least as for me, Freemasonry is there predominantly in Assam more than any other states which we have spoken about today. Fascinating what a little plant can do, right? Yes, <laughs> and you know what, Shishir, uh, we have you know in our previous episodes we saw like how the when the tra- because of the train British were able to go because of the port British were able to go this side because of the good soil and food they were able to go. Tea is one of the last thing which actually came in my mind that because of that they would have actually come to some place. But yes, the way spices influenced them or rather attracted them to our country, tea would have definitely attracted them to the northeast part of our country. No doubt about that. 
Fishers being Brits obviously would yes. love their tea and <laughs> ultimately we love tea as well we are a huge tea drinking nation yes tea is uh, technically the national drink of our country if i'm not wrong i'm not very sure whether it is still claiming its spot but that's what i've read actually uh, anyway i don't know about <laughs> i don't i don't know about uh, national drink or but i love my yes, tea yes <laughs> so do i so do i <laughs> okay so yeah. going on from here one of the most important place in assam is actually called a place called silchar it was actually founded by captain thomas fisher in 1832 when he actually shifted the headquarters of chachar district to silchar to janigarh in silchar actually and silchar is the site of the world's first polo club and it actually even hosted the first competitive polo match europeans got the idea of polo from these places and as i said in the initial uh, bit right that manipur obviously was the place which actually credited polo to Euro- uh, what actually gave polo to europeans manipur was part of the assam state at one point of time before it got separated so obviously this is one thing which uh, the europeans took from here along with tea and that is one of the reason why if you notice the name of the lodges which we are talking about there is a lodge called light on the barak in silchar barak is the valley which is there and based on that name of the valley they actually had a lodge there uh, similarly obviously in silchar there was a light on the surma lodge right which again surma was actually in the name of a valley so this is how it kind of moves on but apart from here this shishir did you find any other information about any other uh, masonic lodge in any of these states Yeah there is one in Nagaland but before coming to that I'll just add one more little bit of trivia. Uh, uh-huh. There is a place called Chabua. Chabua is again yeah Chabua okay so it's again uh-huh. a combination of two words cha is chai. Or okay. Oh okay. Bua uh-huh. is uh, it means to cultivate or to plant. So it right. literally means plant tea you know cultivate tea. just to kind of highlight how ingrained or deeply ingrained the whole you know this thing around tea is in <laughs> those states that makes sense makes sense <laughs> yeah all right it just got coming, ing- yeah it just got ingrained into them that's right yeah, yeah true, true. That's, that's the thing all right so coming to a lodge in nagaland so uh, in nagaland dimapur uh, there's a lodge called nagaland number no. 403 consecrated in 2015 so pretty young lodge and we wish them all the very best uh, to you know thrive and grow <laughs> so coming from here there are two interesting facts which i came to know when i was going through these uh, findings in google and everything and uh, one of them is about a tribe called pene menashe which literally means children of the menashe they are an ethno linguistic group in manipur and mizoram uh, the chin Kuki and Mizo people of this group practice Judaism as they consider themselves descendants from one of the lost tribes of Israel and apparently the 20th century they have actually adopted the practice of modern Judaism compared to the contemporary or the old orthodox one which was actually being followed initially now in the late 20th century the Israeli rabbi Elihu Avikail of the group Amishav named these people the bene menashe based on their accounts of descendant from menashe i will come back to the word menashe what exactly it means now when british obviously had come to this region along with them krishna christian missionaries did come and they encountered this tribe and they found a lot of similarities between their biblical story and bene menashe's ancient mythology 
Now they were kind of confused that when Christianity never came into this place, how come your story is something similar to mine? Now that's when maybe they must have got that idea that yes, they might be one of those uh, people who obviously got the idea or rather the stories from Judaism. Now, obviously, claim was very high, considering somebody coming up and saying that they are one of the lost tribes of Israel. So studies were done, but unfortunately, it was not that conclusive. And as part of an Israel's policy, like there were certain immigrations which were allowed for some of the lost tribes of Israel, people who were able to connect with them. Now it was obviously stopped because the studies were obviously not conclusive. However, in 2005, they were recognized as part of a lost tribe, and they are obviously allowed to come into the country. Obviously, have uh, all the facilities which they want and and whatnot. I'll add to this thing while I was doing research on this. Um, so the Bene Menashe tribes have a particular. It's like a hymn. It's like a song that they sing as part of the religious ceremonies and all. and the lyrics of that song obviously that has been translated but mm-hmm. it does allude to the parting of the red sea and the wandering of you know the israelites in the deserts uh, with the manifestation of god uh, during day and uh-huh. night uh, you know guiding them so okay. you know anyone who is familiar with those stories will immediately understand what i'm talking about you can also google it <laughs> but uh, i was pleasantly surprised when i you know read those references and that particular hymn is hardly 10 or 12 lines uh, that's basically it but within that it mm. mentions something so strikingly familiar to anyone who knows the story so i think you know that could have been a push that would have made people mm. believe that how do you know this <laughs> yes yes i think that so, could that could be one of the reason mm. yeah but there's something more to it uh, rinesh i think you're going to add to that right yes the the na- the word itself manasseh right actually manasseh according to the book of genesis in the bible was the first son of joseph and asenath who was an egyptian and a daughter of a priest now who those of who remember the bible stories joseph was actually sold into slavery by his jealous brothers and he had an unique ability to interpret dreams based on that ability he actually rose to become a wazir the second most powerful man in egypt next to the pharaoh and that is something which made ensured that when israel was actually facing these problems the brothers who obviously had to leave israel and come somewhere they actually came to egypt because under the rulership under the guidance of uh, joseph egypt was actually seeing a much much progress so obviously the the surrounding nations and the surrounding people obviously came to their place and obviously settled there and so and so forth you know from there the story of uh, moses comes into place and then finally king david and then solomon and why am i bringing all these things but before uh, before i tell you that there is another interesting fact which i came to know in mizoram there is a solomon's temple now this is very interesting when i read it for the first time i was like what solomon's temple in india but this is actually the church in mizoram it's open for public by the way brethren you can or listeners you can please do visit that it's simply huge it's white in color it looks really magnanimous i'm not sure whether it was a say it, it they wanted to design something similar to the solomon's temple which Uh, people have been talking about but well they named the church as solomon's temple it took them almost around 20 years to build that church and it is located on the western outskirts of aswal the church was actually built by a religious group called koharan uh, sorry i think it was koharan tianglim anyway why this interesting fact freemasonry was started by the westerners or rather from the western side of this world i would say somewhere in the european population and all those things predominantly from english scotland and all of those 
Now, which book would you refer to to explain the moral principles? A book which is common among all these folks, which is that book, Bible. It is not going to be any other book because predominantly everybody were Christians. It uh, doesn't matter which kind of sect of Christians they are; they were just Christians. So, Bible being the common book, they obviously took some of the stories of the Bible which has moral principles, and based on those moral principles, certain things were explained to people. Now, how is it? Uh, Uh, related to freemasonry now since freemasonry came from the western side western civilization they obviously took those stories had those moral principles and explained it to the world now forget the storyline it is the moral principles which matter is the same thing which we have told right i think in our first or second episode the panchatantra tales which we have been listening the arabian nights which we have been listening even the aesop's fables which we have been listening and reading all of them contains these moral principles now these moral principle guide us similarly freemasonry took the stories of the bible which has those principles and explained those principles in some form of a story they elaborated the story i'm i'm not saying that the story might actually be completely true what is mentioned in freemasonry it is just elaborated so that it explains it's kind of like what i think shishir you can say uh, the dir- the director's prerogative or the writer's uh, style of just expanding the knowledge so that's what they did i'll add to that ranesh i think the bottom line here is don't care who's a messenger just focus mm. on the message i i like that man i i really liked it <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter right who who's talking about it just listen to the message and if that exactly. message connects with you if you're able to make something good out of, sorry bring something good out of it follow that it's really interesting and sometimes you know the message actually comes from you why because of your experience because of the way you treat other people the way you have learned from other folks it automatically just comes to you Exactly. So I'll give uh, two parallels to this. Okay. Now hmm. you pick up any religious book; they will always tell you how to live a good life. Now, yes. What's important? The book you got that from, or the message you got from the book. Secondly, if let's say you know a young child is uh, being guided or being advised by his or her parent, where hmm. that parent is getting that knowledge from, how does it matter? what's important is what they're telling you and what you need to do so i think you know this unnecessary digging behind why or how or what doesn't matter mm. listen to the message see how True. you can apply to it go on and world becomes a better place it's when we start asking unnecessary questions <laughs> you know which actually don't matter <laughs> and just complicate things i think that's what uh, ruins everything for everyone yeah So, and and, uh, and you know what in any story right or any any lessons which we have been learning or listening everything there is certain good and there are certain things which i am not able to connect with fair enough which you are not able to connect with move on doesn't mean that i need to throw the entire book for that exactly like i i will read a story and i might say okay yeah, there are certain chapters which are interesting like a short story let's say for example i'm just reading some chapters some are interesting some are not okay whichever is interesting whichever was good for you take it whichever is not leave it forget it move on let's let's learn more that's that's what should be that's what the aim should be yeah and and freemasonry really exemplifies what we are saying because at the altar we you know open all the major religions uh, you know holy books we keep them open for anyone to come and have a look and the whole reason behind that is not because uh, these are the main religions and only these we follow nothing like that these are some of the important books which are out there anyone can pick any you know uh, important message out of that and emulate that think about yeah. it delve on it 
um that's right that's right yeah so okay. it's not like one single book so near that so take your pick live your life be a better person renish you were saying something uh no i was just coming to the point that uh the five books by the way for those who are listening us for the first time we actually keep five uh volume of sacred law that's what we actually call that because uh, rather than just calling their holy books or something we just call them volume of sacred laws so we have the bhagavad gita we have bible we have quran zend avesta and finally guru granth sahib for all of these books are actually kept in front and as uh, shishir said these are guidance these are there to guide you to the right path to the correct path now whether you are able to follow it whether you are not able to follow it what is happening freemasonry will ensure or rather I, I, let's not use the word ensure freemasonry will be there with you to make sure that you live a better life by doing what by just being with you as your friend perfect analogy so i think that brings us towards the end of our episode but you know as usual um there are a few people without whom this episode would not have been possible so uh renesh you want to go ahead and do that word of thanks yes uh, i would like to uh, place my special thanks to worshipful brother praveen nair for giving us this interesting fact about the bene menashe and a very dear friend of mine uh, his name is sampuran by the way uh, i don't know whether he will be hearing this but i will ensure that he hears this sampuran is the one who actually brought this concept the story of solomon's temple to me and told me rinesh your solomon's temple is here i know you've been talking about this long time so thank you sampuran for bringing that point great thank you so much brotherin for helping us out and you know as a quick reminder to all our listeners and the brotherin who are listening to this episode you know all of this information just doesn't come about uh, readily available on the net um, you know to be very honest even for that matter bene menashe is something i'm hearing about for pretty much the first time uh, so it's through talking with different people talk, reaching out to brother and uh, you know having a chat over the phone making notes and then putting the entire episode together that's how we do our research so you know while we would love to thank you we would also have a request to all to all of you that uh, when we reach out to you please do you know give us a few minutes of your time or connect us to some other brother in who might be able to help us uh, so far we have had an amazing run and i'm sure we will have many more beautiful episodes coming forward but it's all the listeners the brother in who make this happen so thank you everyone and we will continue to look forward to your support oh shishir where are we going next week oh yeah i was actually about to ask you that question <laughs> but i <laughs> well, already let... know the answer <laughs> <laughs> table turn you you yes, can answer this turn. one right <laughs> all right so we are going to be going to odisha and andhra pradesh and uh, brethren we will be reaching out to uh, all of you for information on these two states uh, please do look out for our little request and uh, <laughs> we hope to make another interesting episode like this and the 13 others that we have done so far uh, with that <laughs> as always we look forward to your inputs your feedback let us know what you liked what you didn't like any corrections we would be happy to correct ourselves after all we are human and we all make mistakes right but to correct ourselves is divine so we would love to correct ourselves and ensure that we have the right information for all of you for people interested in freemasonry uh check out our show notes you can reach out to us ask us any question that you have we are on facebook 
on Instagram as well. And uh, yeah, that we come to an end. Happy New Year in advance, and uh, continue with the uh, you know security. Oh, sorry, <laughs> not security, but with the uh, you know health advices that our governments are giving. Continue to wear masks, social distancing, wash your hands, sanitize yourselves. The year is ending, not the pandemic. All right, so be careful, stay safe, and bye bye. Bye. Well, that just about wraps it up, folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. And what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the Gentle Craft? If you have any queries about what we shared on this episode, or generally on this podcast, or even about Freemasonry, please check out the show notes. for links to the grand lords of india's website or feel free to write us an email please do look forward to the next episode